Thanks, Roger. Does that uh, be helpful to uh, keep that in front of you? Uh, we're going to be majoring on uh, the bit that's printed in uh, blue, uh, verses 1 to 3. Uh, thinking this morning about how uh, parents and children relate to each other, and I wonder how you're feeling. Uh, if you're a parent here, it may be uh, you're expecting to feel guilty or criticised. As parents juggling work and children and, and wider life, there's always more that we could do, isn't there? And because it's hard, I guess many of us as parents will be aware of uh, mistakes that we've made, because we've all made mistakes as parents, if you're a parent. So maybe, actually, before we even come to this, you're feeling guilty, and you're just expecting to feel more so. Uh, Jesus promises, doesn't he, that his burden is easy, his, uh, sorry, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Uh, God the Father promises the grace to repent, the Holy Spirit's power to change us. Uh, so we should expect when God speaks into our parenting that we'll hear good news for us and for our kids. If you're a young person, I wonder how you're feeling. It may be you didn't hear anything after uh, verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents. And after that, it was just white noise. Obey your parents. Uh, maybe you're expecting to feel guilty or criticised too. Well, the same thing goes. If you're trusting Jesus, then you're already growing to know uh, God the Father as your loving Heavenly Father, uh, who loves you enough to send his Son to die for you. He's not a spoil sport, is he? So in this, as in every area of life, uh, we can expect uh, God's word to be good news for us. But I guess for many of us here, uh, we are uh, neither parents nor children living with parents. Uh, maybe you're thinking, what does this have to do with me? Uh, maybe you've already started to plan ahead to uh, Sunday lunch or what you're doing this afternoon, uh, what the week ahead looks like. Well, just stay with us for a bit. Because uh, as we grasp God's pattern for parents and children, what we're given is a picture of the relationship between God and his people. So if you're part of God's people, this is going to help you grasp what it means to be God's child. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're a Christian or you're sure you're not a Christian, these verses just give you a sense of what it might be like to know God as your loving Heavenly Father. So stay with us. Uh, there are other reasons uh, and ways in which these verses uh, might help us. Uh, they might help us as we grasp this pattern uh, to, to love our young people better, to support uh, parents better within the church family. We've all got a part to play in that. Uh, it might be that God is preparing some of us to uh, be parents one day. And so this morning will help us in that. Although it addresses uh, parents and children specifically, uh, there is benefit here for all of us. I hope we're going to need uh, God's help. Let me pray, and then I'll put a question to us. Heavenly Father, we pray that as you speak to us now, we might know that your word is life-bringing, uh, that your rule is a rule of blessing. And we pray that would become more real to our hearts as we think about what it means to be a child and a parent. Amen. Here's a question. Uh, if you're a young person, what kind of person do you want to grow up to be? What kind of person do you want to grow up to be? If you're a parent, what kind of person do you want your child to grow up to be?
If you have a, a godchild, you promise to pray for wider family members who are children. What kind of person do you want them to grow up to be? Uh, often, it seems to me that the kind of heroes of our culture are the people who are true to themselves, who bravely uh, push against the boundaries, who say, the rules don't apply to me, I'm the boss of me, I make up my own rules, I'm going to follow my heart. Those are the heroes of most of the stories that the culture tells. Uh, I don't know if anyone here is a, a Star Trek fan or whether you've uh, watched the programmes and the films. I don't know them particularly well. Uh, but I've seen some of the original kind of uh, William Shatner um, uh, Star Trek programmes and I've seen uh, one or two of the, the more recent film remakes. And it is striking how different Captain Kirk is. Uh, I think we've got a picture of the two of them. Uh, in the kind of 1960s TV show, Captain uh, Kirk is... He's almost a kind of philosopher king uh, in that uh, he's thoughtful, he's well-read, he's clearly been instructed. He's matured over time to be wise and courageous. And all the time he does that with a sort of twinkle of joy in his eye. That's the 1960s TV show. Uh, fast forward to 2009, the first remake, uh, and Kirk is now a, a rebel. Uh, we're first introduced to the hero uh, fleeing from the police as a young boy. He's stolen a car uh, and he ends up driving it off a cliff and destroying it. That's the first introduction we get to uh, New Kirk. He isn't matured by instruction or training. He jumps straight in the captain's chair because he has the courage uh, to follow his heart. That's what makes him the hero. So I think that change reflects a change in our culture. Uh, we're suspicious now about authority because it can be misused. Uh, we're much quicker to celebrate uh, individualism, to celebrate instincts. I'm the boss of me, we say. I make my rules. And we encourage one another to imitate Newkirk, to uh, strive courageously, to follow our hearts. Here's the thing. If that is anything like what you believe, if that is anything close to the person that you want to grow into or you want uh, our children to grow into, then you won't like the idea of obedience here. Uh, you won't think much of Ephesians 6 at all, in fact. Uh, you won't want to be the obedient child that God wants you to be or to receive or to give the training and the instruction that parents are called by God to give. So I want us just to take a moment to think about uh, this idea of uh, freedom and following our hearts, just a little bit before we come to the specifics of parents and children. Uh, imagine, if you will, a, a, a locomotive, uh, a train surging along its tracks. Uh, I see the train and I think to myself, look at the power, look at the beauty of that train. It has so much potential. What a shame that it is uh, constricted to the confines of the track. The train should be set free to go its own way. Let's see what it does if it's taken off the tracks. And what would happen? Without the tracks, how free is the train? It quickly sinks down into soft earth and goes nowhere. We understand that we locomotive trains, they're made for tracks. That's where they are most free to be trained, if you like, to uh, fulfill and to enjoy their uh, surging power, their beautiful engineering. It's on the tracks. 
As human beings, we were made to know and to love God and to live under his life-giving rule. Those are our tracks. And when we say, I'm the boss of me, I make the rules, we're denying who we are. We aren't made to lay down our own tracks. We're made to surge along God-given tracks. And if we believe that, we'll live differently, whoever we are. And we'll live differently as children and as parents. See, what did Jesus mean when he said in John 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He was talking about the soul-satisfying joy that comes from life lived with him and for him. Not living without him. What was Jesus offering when he said in John 8, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He wasn't holding out a a, a strange kind of freedom that is away from his life-giving rule. No, that's a false freedom, ruling ourselves. See, when Jesus calls disciples to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow him, he isn't saying, live as if you are the boss of you. Uh, Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool says in their heart, there is no God. In other words, it is the fool who says, I'm the boss of me, I will make up my rules, I will lay down the tracks of my life, I will recognise no authority but my own. Living in God's world as if there is no God is not heroic, says the Bible, it is foolishness. It is not living well, it is racing off a cliff. What kind of person do you want to grow into? What kind of person do you want our young people to grow into? Is it following your heart, uh, living by your own rules as if there is no God in the world? Or is it following Jesus, living by his life-giving word, enjoying life with him? Surging along the tracks as human beings means maturing into somebody who knows and loves Jesus as our saviour and king and who therefore lives with him with courage and with wisdom and with joy. If that is what you want most of all for yourself, for uh, uh, your children, you'll live differently. And the first uh, few verses of chapter 6 help us with that. Uh, Before we uh, dive into them, and we really are just going to look at three verses, it's worth just reminding ourselves of uh, where we've gotten to in Ephesians, uh, what God has already said to us. Uh, We've seen, if you like, God's big plan is to bring all peoples together under Christ. Uh, Through Jesus, God's enemies become his friends, not just with him, uh, but with each other. Uh, And this new community, this new uh, family, the church, is called to be a kind of walking, talking picture to the world of what God is like and what God is doing. Uh, And so different uh, relationships, different roles, are in different ways a picture of that. Uh, And the good news is that uh, children and parents have a part to play in painting this picture. Uh, To show fellow Christians, to show the watching world uh, what God is like and what God is doing. And as they do that, uh, to enjoy the blessings of Jesus' life-giving rule. See, the relationship between uh, Christian parents and their children is to form those children. Uh, Parents are to imitate God in the way that they love their children so that uh, children learn to uh, trust and obey their parents and so they're prepared to trust and obey God. Uh, Let's have a look together at how that works. We're focusing on just the kids this week. We'll get to the parents uh, next week. Verse 1. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord. We're just going to think about what obedience is uh, and why children are to obey. Firstly then, uh, what is obedience? Here's a a working definition. It's on uh, uh, the sheets there under the reading. Obedience is, I think, saying in our hearts, because you asked, I will do it. Because you asked, I will do it. Uh, Because you asked means you recognise the other person has a God-given authority. That they asked is enough of a reason to do what they've asked. See, children, God has given parents that kind of authority over you. To love and nurture and watch over you, to help you grow towards maturity. Uh, Parents, God has given you that kind of authority. Obedience is saying in our hearts, because you asked, I will do it. Now, how can you tell if something's really obedience? Uh, I think the test will always be, would it be okay to treat God this way? If it wouldn't, then it's not obedience. It's not helping our children to grow to uh, trust and obey God. So here are some examples of what obedience isn't. Be obvious that saying no and not doing what you ask, that is not obedience. The test then, would it be okay to treat God that way? To say, in effect, to God, I'm the boss of me, I decide what's right. I wouldn't be okay with it. That is practising to be a fool. It's practising to be a fool to say in our hearts, no, I'm the boss of me, to our parents. Uh, Asking, uh, why should I? Is not obedience. That a parent asked is enough of a reason to do what they've asked. Uh, Imagine a parent asks you to tidy your bedroom. What is going on in your heart when you say, why should I? It isn't trust. It isn't dependence. It's saying, in some small way, I decide what's right, so you have to persuade me that this is right. It's a small way of practising being your own authority, treating your parents as an advisor. Now remember the test. Would it be okay to treat God this way? God's not your advisor. He's not your life coach. God is your maker. And if you're trusting Jesus, he's your saviour. Your heavenly father loves you with perfect wisdom. He also has complete power and authority. He has the right to ask anything of us. It's not okay to say to him, why should I? It's not okay to say that to our parents. Now, uh, parents, how should we respond to our kids when they say that to us? The answer to why should I is not simply because I said so. Uh, We want our kids to grow up to become adults who are mature and wise and uh, courageous in the way that they follow Jesus, to make wise decisions. So how are we as parents to answer the question, why should I? At one level, we don't owe our children an explanation any more than God owes us an explanation. But while God doesn't always tell us why he commands things, he normally does, doesn't he? Why does he tell us? He tells us um, what he loves to help us love him and to love like him. He tells us how he acts in order that we might act like him. So that's the pattern for us with our kids. 
when the question comes, why should I? The answer is, well, the answer is always, because I'm asked you to and my words are to help you. And this is a chance to practice trusting me. That will always be true. Uh, But often there'll be more that can be said. Uh, The question is an opportunity to uh, instruct our children. And we'll come on to that next week. Uh, But let me suggest that uh, explanations should normally wait until after the command has been obeyed. Often after the bedroom is tidied, the the reason for doing it becomes less important. What else? Asking what's in it for me before you do it is not obedience. What's going on in our hearts when we say what's in it for me? It isn't trust. It isn't loving others the way Jesus does, putting uh, others uh, first the way Jesus does. Asking what's in it for me uh, puts my interest first, isn't it? It's practicing living like we're the centres of the universe. It's practicing living like a fool. What's the test? Would it be okay to treat God like that? God, before I obey you, can you explain what's in it for me? That is saying, I don't trust you to be generous. I don't trust you, God, to be wise. I don't trust you to lovingly do what is best in my life. I think you're mean. I think you're a spoil sport. And I want to try and negotiate a better deal with you. God gave his son to die, to save us from death and judgment, to share his life and his joy with us. To ask what's in it for me is foolishness. It's not okay to say that to God. It's not okay to say that to our parents. Uh, Lastly and obviously, uh, delaying is not obedience. Uh, What's going on in our hearts when we delay? Uh, Can you tidy your room? I want to play on my console. I don't want to tidy my room. I'll do it later. What's going on in our hearts then? That is saying, my priorities come first. Uh, My comfort comes first. I'll fit in what you want later, when it suits me. It's another way of saying in our hearts, I'm the centre of my world. I'm the boss of me. And that is foolishness. See, the trouble is, what we practice, we get good at. So let's not practice foolishness. Uh, When our boys were younger, we had an expression in our house, obey, straight away, hooray. When you're two, you can understand that. And we still use it, because we still want to practice that. What you practice, you get good at. That's why we're encouraged here to practice obedience. Saying in our hearts, because you asked, I will do it. Why should I? Says I'm in charge. God or my parents, they're just an advisor. What's in this for me? Says my interests decide what I do. I'm living for me. I'll do it later. Says I set my priorities. My comfort wins. See, children are called to obey their parents. as a picture of how Christians obey their gods. And to do that, to prepare and form them for a lifetime of joyful obedience. Uh, Now we know that's hard, don't we? It's no good as adults saying, back in the day we used to do it, back in the day we had it easy. We didn't. We found obeying hard. Uh, We needed God's grace. Uh, So do our kids. Let's have a look together and see where that grace comes from. Uh, as we close, two uh, motivations for obedience. The first is there, verse one. Children, obey your parents 
in the Lord. Do you see that? And children are to obey to please God. Uh, every time a Christian child obeys their parents, it's an act of obedience to the God who commands us to obey our parents. When we obey our parents, we're saying, I'm not the boss of me. God rules me. God loves me. This is his world and he controls it. He's placed this parent over me to protect me, to mature me, to bless me. And to please him, I will obey her. See, practicing that is practicing wisdom. That is growing in maturity. Uh, Paul goes on to explain it uh, with the commandment, honour your father and your mother. Uh, Children, why do you honour your parents? What is your motive for doing it? It is to please the God who gave you your parents. Uh, It's not, therefore, about how good they are. Uh, Parents... Uh, make mistakes, just like children do. Although they're older, so hopefully they won't make as many. They've had more time to mature, to know God, to live well in his world. Parents make mistakes. Our parents are sinners, just like their children. And they will need to apologise to God, they'll need to apologise to their children. Uh, The motivation for children to obey their parents is not that parents are perfect. No parent is you obey to please the God who gave you your parents. That's true of your biological parents, that's true of adopted parents, that is true of step-parents. God gave them to you. And so you honour them. I think we've got a picture. Uh, Think of uh, the US Marine Guards. Uh, uh, US Marines, they guard the White House. Uh, They stand to attention where the President uh, passes. They polish their boots, they iron their uniform as a way to honour him. They open the door for him, they salute him as he hops on the uh, helicopter, all that sort of stuff. Now, over the years, there have been some better presidents and there have been some worse presidents. But they obey just the same. They salute just the same. They polish their boots just the same. Why? They don't obey because of the person. They obey because they're the president. Children, you don't obey your parents because of the person. Although, let's be clear, obedience is much easier and children grow to maturity much more straightforwardly where their parents are godly. But children, you obey because God has given you your parents. You obey to please the God who gave you your parents. That's one reason. The second reason, uh, they're in verse 3 for us. Uh, God makes a promise. He says, uh, you obey your parents, you honour them, so that it may go well for you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. See, there are all kinds of wonderful blessings that go with uh, living under the authority of a wise and loving parent. Uh, If we had uh, more time, we could get a flip chart out, people would throw out suggestions, there would be loads. There are all kinds of blessings that go with having a wise and godly loving parent. Uh, Children, I guess, learn uh, that God is good and kind. Uh, They learn that true freedom is not, I make my own rules. It is joyfully living under King Jesus' rule. Uh, True joy is not found in getting our own way, but walking in God's ways. Uh, Children learn that maturity is desirable and good, that living at God's way is the best way. Now, we can spiritualise those in all kinds of ways. 
living uh, with Christians ought to mean that a child hears uh, about Jesus. They see what it looks like to follow him. They taste the joy of knowing Jesus. But at a much more uh, functional level, what Paul is saying here is kids live longer if they honour parents who are worth honouring. Given the recent spike in knife crime, it's not hard to see that, is it? Now, this is a general uh, promise to society, I think. It's not a particular uh, promise. It's not a license to judge parents or children when things go wrong. But at the same time, we don't want to be naive about this. Maybe as a culture, we do uh, need to repent in various ways to turn uh, away uh, from the way perhaps we have been doing things and towards God's pattern of raising children. This verse warns us life will go better when we follow his pattern. Saying in general, somebody who knows Jesus and loves him as their saviour and their king, who therefore lives with him with courage and wisdom and joy, that child will live better for longer. It's interesting, isn't it? We often, if you use the word obedience, we don't immediately think of that as a very positive thing. I'm trying to dig around this week for a, a, a survey, uh, but um, I read it a year or two back. Um, parents were surveyed and asked for what kind of caricature to traits they wanted to cultivate in their children. Uh, it was the same survey that was done uh, 40 or 50 years ago. 40 or 50 years ago, obedience was in the top three. Today, obedience wasn't in the top 20. Culturally, it's not something we aspire to. It's not something we see as positive. And yet the Bible encourages us to see obedience to God and to our God-given parents as an overwhelmingly positive thing. What do we want our young people to grow up to be? The Bible says obedience to our parents is part of the picture. If we want them to mature into someone who knows and loves Jesus as their saviour and king, someone who lives for Jesus with courage and wisdom and joy, then that begins, amongst other things, with obeying our parents. It may still be that some of us are feeling guilty. Uh, that some of us are feeling uh, criticised. Uh, it may simply be that you're reading this and you feel the weight of it. The hardness of it. And therefore you feel your need for grace. I'm going to suggest we take a moment to pray. Uh, just in the quietness of our hearts. It may be you want to pray for yourself, uh, your children, your parents... Maybe there are things you can thank God for. Maybe there are things you need to repent of. Uh, And then I'll lead us in a prayer together. But let's have a moment of quiet.